Last time when you were at the pump, did you catch yourself thinking, why am I spending all my money on gas? Drive less, save more. Ride Coda. The new transit app makes riding Coda as easy as tap, tap, go. Plus, we'll help you get started with a $4.50 account credit when you download the transit app and set up your Coda account. What are you waiting for? Download the transit app today. Learn more at coda.com slash transit app. You know, how many know that God is for revival? God wants to bring revival. He doesn't want us living um, in the spirit of death, or uh, he doesn't want us living as our message is about the valley of the dry bones. He doesn't want us to be those dry bones. God wants to bring revival. He wants to bring revival to you. He wants to bring revival to this nation. He wants to bring revival to our families. God is for revival. I am just so um, amazed at God and how he's so faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to him. Even when we are unfaithful, God is there. There's times in my life where I felt like, God, I've just so disappointed you. I've let you down. I've done it again, God. I mean, I'm sure many of us have said that. I know I have. I've done it again. But God is always there with his arms of love to wrap around us and say, I'm there for you. I'll forgive your sins and I will heal your land. I will heal your life and I will bring you forth in what I want to to, for what I want to do in your life. Amen? Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God is for revival? Well, there's an awesome story in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. Now, Ezekiel was a man of God. He was a prophet of God. He saw extraordinary visions. If you've ever read the book of Ezekiel, it's one of those books that will just blow your mind away. Like, you just can't fathom what God showed this man. But Ezekiel was a young man, and he was taken into captivity. He was taken by the Babylonians to Babylon, along with Judah, the king of Judah, and some of the leaders. And eventually, Jerusalem was besieged by the Babylonians and also taken into captivity. But God brought Ezekiel this man of God who was raised up to be a mighty prophet of God, and he was there with God's people. God spoke to Ezekiel. God's hand was upon Ezekiel. I don't know about you, but I want God's hand to be upon my life. What does it mean for God's hand to be upon you? It means that God's power is with you, God's strength is with you. His protection is with you. Because why? Because we're God's people. So God is there. We have to tap in to realize that God's hand is for us. It's not against us. And God wants to do amazing things. Let's begin reading in our text today. Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning at verse 1. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your word because your word is life. Father, your word brings life. Your word brings healing. Your word brings revival. Your word brings restoration. Today, I'm believing today for all of those things, Lord, in your people, for your people today, God, because you're a God who answers 
our cry when we cry out to you. Even when we don't cry out to you, you are answering our prayers. You're answering our heart's cry. Father, we just thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for your word. Your word is holy. Your word is pure. We don't take it for granted, God, that we can have freedom to have your word in our home. We have Bibles that we can read. We're, it's not restricted here. God, we have freedom to worship you. God, help us to recognize and realize the God who the God of who you are, the God of what you can do, that you're a God who raises the dead. You are a God that raises the dead. Father, we praise you and give you glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I'm reading from the NIV today. Some people, my husband refers to it as the nearly inspired version. (laughs) But I just like the way it's said. He uses it sometimes. He just jokes around. But anyway, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was, a, was on me, said Ezekiel. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, only you know. Then he said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So what did Ezekiel do? So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life. And they stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves, bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then my people will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Wow. I love that story. It's such a good story. We can visualize that story. I don't know about you, but that's one story I loved when I got saved, when I came to the Lord. I was just like, whoa, that is amazing, God. That is awesome. You could do that, God. Wow. I mean, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. 
I never heard the gospel. And when I met my husband at 17 and he brought me home to his, his mother's house, I thought she was really weird. <laughs> she was not only Scottish, and I had a hard time understanding her. I thought I would never understand her. Some of the sayings she would say, you we one and all of this. But she was a woman of God, and she was a prayer warrior. But I thought she was really, really weird. I never heard anything like it before. But she was, you know, God used her, and she brought revival to her home. God used her. God was amazing. And I was just like, wow. When I began to read the word and understand that God was an amazing God, he could do anything. God can do anything. We got to believe that today. We got to start with, stay away from our old stinking thinking. Amen. We got to put that aside and read the word of God and begin to believe what it says. Wow, what a novel idea. Amen. But for those of us who believe and know the Lord, that's where we should be. If we've been walking with God, we should believe what we hear from the Lord. But sometimes we don't. We don't believe. Not, not that we come out and say, I don't believe it. But the way we live, the way we act, the way we carry ourselves says, I really don't believe it, God. I know you can, but I don't know if you will. No, I'm here to declare today God can do all things. Amen. So here we have Ezekiel, a young man who was taken captive, brought in to the land of Babylon, living among the Babylonians, taken into captivity. But yet God spoke to him. In chapter 1 of Ezekiel, it says from the very beginning that God showed him amazing visions. God spoke to him. In verse 28 of that first chapter, it said that he had an encounter with God, and it was so vivid that he fell down on his face, and he, you know, just cried out. He had an encounter with God. How many know we need an encounter? We need an encounter with the Holy One of God. We need an encounter. We can't go on the encounter of our parents, of our spouse, of our friends here at church. We have to have our own encounter. Ezekiel had an encounter. Maybe you're not called to be a mighty prophet of God, but you are called to be something and someone for him. But you got to have an encounter because otherwise we just walk around and we have no power. We're like these dead bones. Ezekiel was placed down in the middle of this valley and there was bones all around him. I mean, I've been hiking in Canada and come across a bone and I was just like, grossed out. It's like, ooh, it was an animal bone. At least I thought it was. <laughs> I hope it was. But can you imagine in your mind today being taken and placed down in the middle of this valley? It says a, a vast army in the middle and just seeing all these bones, skeletal remains. It said the bones were very dry, very dry. That would, that would mean that they were dead a long time. They were really dead. There was no life in them. So Ezekiel, it says that God was brought him back and forth. God wanted him to have a good picture. How many know we need a good picture of our life? We need a good picture of where we are and what is going on. God wants to give you a picture. God wants to show you. He wants to declare to you. He wants to speak to you. 
He wants to show you a vision of your life and what you can do for him and what he desires to do through you. But like I said, we have to, be, we have, to have that encounter. You know, we have, to have, we have to build an altar. We all need an altar to go to. We have to have an altar where we can go and we can cry out to the Lord when he shows us these things that are going on in our life when things seem dead. Ezekiel had that vision. He had a vision. He had an encounter. But as he's walking along and, and surveying the bones and, and looking at this in this valley, the Lord speaks to him. What does the Lord say? Ezekiel, can these bones live? Whoa. Can these bones live? I mean, we're not talking about one human. We're talking about a vast army that is dead, that has dry bones. There's no life. It says some translations say they were bleached bones. It means they have been there a long time. Can these bones live? God asks Ezekiel. He poses that question to Ezekiel. Can these bones live? And what did Ezekiel say? I'm sure if I was Ezekiel, I'd be pondering in my mind, God, how do I answer God, number one? How do we answer God? He could have said, yes, these bones can live and be, been presumptuous. We can be presumptuous sometimes with our circumstances and the situations that God allows to be in our life. Sometimes we say, oh, I know what to do. I'm going to do this because it seems natural or because it seems like the right way. But God says, can these bones live? He's asking you, can these bones live? Can your bones in your valley live today? We all have a valley. We all have a valley. What is in our valley of death? Maybe you have unsaved loved ones. Maybe you have a spouse who doesn't know the Lord. Maybe your children are backslidden. Maybe you have a financial need today. Maybe that just things over the years, circumstances happened, your business failed. I don't know what it could be, but people have been through a lot of devastating things, and I know some of your stories, and it's, it's hard. Life can be hard, but we all have a valley, and God is saying, can these bones live? So Ezekiel, he didn't say, no, they can't live. That would have been doubt, right? We can't doubt. We have to have faith. Without faith, what is it? It's impossible to please God. We have to have faith. God, I know you can. I, know, I don't know if you will, but I know you can. What does he say? I love what he says. Only you know, sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. Only you know. Only you know, I believe it was somewhat of faith because Ezekiel was a man of God. He was proven. He saw things happen. God did things. God showed him things. He knew God was sovereign. Only you know. God, if you say it can live, it can live. If you say they can live, these bones, they will surely live. What does God say? He says, Ezekiel, prophesy to these dead, dry bones prophesy. And he says, I want to read it. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. I will make breath enter you 
and you will come to life, and I will attach tendons to you, and flesh will come up, cover your skin, and I will put breath in them, and they will come to life. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. So Ezekiel, he prophesied what he was commanded. He prophesied what the Lord said. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you share with others what you're going through, when you talk to even your best friend, even your closest friends, I have found in my life, in my circumstance, in my journey, my story, sometimes when I talk to friends, they don't build me up like I expect them to. You know, God has showed me things, and I'd share it, and they'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't, it looks impossible. It looks impossible. It doesn't look like it'll happen. But God says, prophesy these bones shall live. Prophesy the word of the Lord. When you get a word from God, you got to begin to prophesy. You can't just say, God, I'm sitting here. I'm waiting for it to happen. And just go on our merry way and not engage with God, not engage with the Holy Spirit, not engage with him and just expect it to happen. I've done that. There's been times when things have seemed so hard that I just thought, I can't do this anymore. And I've walked on my own and said, whatever. I'm not looking at that. Whatever, God. I can't deal with that. But then God comes back and his spirit just stirs me up again. And I realize and recognize, where else can I go but to him? Amen? There's nowhere else. Man will disappoint us. Family will disappoint us. Friends will disappoint us. People will disappoint us. When you get around people, they just ooze doubt. They ooze it. You know, kind of like Alice's wound that she had healed. It just oozed. You know, you can just feel the doubt. But you know, it's true. And you get around people. And what I do is I'm like, nope. I look straight ahead. I keep my eyes fixed on you, God. I'm not going to listen to that. I close my ears and I just walk away. And I just like, that's rubbish. You know, dispose of that. Dispose of this. I don't want to hear that. I'm not going to listen to that. And then I listen to God again. I get back in that secret place. I get back, God, you said to me that you would do this. God, I prophesy to my children that do not know you. They will know you. They will serve you, God, because you said they would. You're not a God that you would lie. But Ezekiel had to prophesy to the bones. He had to prophesy, son of man, prophesy to these dead, dry bones. So Ezekiel does. He prophesies to the bones. He said, hear the word of the Lord. Bones come to life. He spoke over them. He spoke over the death that was in that camp. And he said, prophesy and heal God those bones and bring them to life. What occurs? I just love that. What occurs? Uh, tendons start to attach to the bones. Skin is covered. There's flesh. And actually, they look like human beings now. All these bones in the valley... They turn, and, and there's flesh on them. There's skin on them. They look like they're people. God begins to move, but there's no breath in them. Sometimes we see God move in situations in our life, and we can see God's hand. God has done things. 
we can see, God, yeah, you did that. I can give you so many testimonies of how many times my children, God spared them because he promised me and I would not let go. I wouldn't let go. We have to remember, when we see things happen, but they don't come to fruition, not to full, the full promise that God says, we have to keep going. We can't just sit there and say, well, something's happened. I can see, God, you've moved in this situation, the circumstances I'm going through. I can see your hand was upon me and something happened, something shifted. But there's still no life. It still hasn't been 100% where God, what God has said. If God said it, then we have to pray through. We can't give up. We have to get up. Amen? We can't give up. We have to get up. We have to rise up. We have to say, no, God, this isn't the full picture I expected. I expected more. You said this, God, and I'm going to believe you until I see the size of a man's hand like a cloud in the sky. Amen? We have to declare it. We have to believe it until we see it come into fruition. So Ezekiel's like, there's no breath. There's no breath in this. There, I don't see any life yet, God. So God says, what does he say? Prophesy the breath into them. Prophesy from the four winds the breath into them. Sorry. So the breath entered them and they came to life. We got to prophesy the breath of God into their lives. The breath, the wind of God represents the Holy Spirit. The wind of God, without the Holy Spirit, there's no life. We're just like lying there like those dead corpses. We don't want to live like a dead corpse. We want to stand to our feet. We got to begin to prophesy what God has shown us. So again, we got to, first of all, we got to come to God. We got to Get an encounter from him. We have to receive an encounter. If we don't receive an encounter, then what's the point, people? What is the point of serving God if we don't have an encounter with him? We're just walking around like dead man's bones. Have you ever heard that expression? I'm just walking around. Oh, yeah, I'm praising God. I come to church. I pray, but I don't see anything happen. God's hand, I can't say God's hand is upon me. Can you say God's hand is upon me? God's hand is upon me. We have to have an encounter. We have to, and then when we have that encounter, God will give us a thus saith the Lord. So many of you know my story. Some of you probably don't. Like I said, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. But when I met Glenn, came to know the Lord, we got married when we were 19 and we were serving God. I said to Glenn when we got married, I'm not going to Bible college and I'm not having kids. Ha. Ha, ha, ha. I was young. Next year, we were off to college. So God says, he just said, that's okay. He knew he had a call. He just trusted God would change my heart. And he believed that, and it did happen. And then there came a point where I found myself, I wanted kids strange. 
kids. Like when I grew up, my mom was a single mom, so I was the oldest of four. I had to, I had a lot of responsibility. It, you know, I didn't, we didn't have money and I had to help a lot. And so kids to me were a burden. But then God began to stir me, and I wanted children. I desired children. But lo and behold, I couldn't get pregnant. Went to the doctors. The doctor says, did some tests, and it didn't look good. It's been a long time. Couldn't have children. I mean, we started young, but still couldn't get pregnant. Didn't make sense. So one day, we just kept praying and fasting. I cried out to God. I did. I had an encounter with God. God showed me Hannah, how she cried out to God, God, give me a son. That's all that mattered to her because that was her death in her valley. That was her dead bones. She couldn't bear a child, but she cried out to God. And the priest said, whatever you've asked for, God will give it to you. God's going to give it to you. Sure enough, she bears a son. So when God showed me that, I don't know why, I just knew I was going to have a son. Sure enough. I got pregnant, had a son when I was 23. It's like, woo, awesome. 15 months later, I had my daughter. It's like, wow, God is amazing. 10 years after my first child, we had our youngest boy. Wasn't expecting that. But anyway, I did. God is awesome. But I had that encounter with God. He raised my dead bones to life. But, you know, we raised our children in a Christian home. Glenn's mom was a believer. No one else in his family was a believer. I had nobody in my family. My siblings weren't Christian. My parents weren't Christian. So we had to fight a lot, a lot of battles, a lot of generational things that were over our life. And we had to believe God for it. But as our children grew, one by one, they all went into the world. I was just like, whoa, God. I don't believe it. I just, I mean, we took them to church. We took them to Sunday school. We read them all the stories. We prayed with them. We had family altar. We spent quality time, and yet they all went away. It's like, whoa. But then the Spirit of the Lord began to stir me, and I'm just like, I'm not settling for this. I am not going to put up with that. You gave me the children. You didn't give me them so they would die and go to hell and live like they're going to hell. No, you gave me children because I wanted godly offspring. I wanted children that were going to serve the Lord. So I began to pray and I began to fast. And God brought my daughter. My daughter came home when she was 17, before, just before she turned 18. No, 18, sorry. And she said, Mom, I'm pregnant. I'm like, whoa, Okay. God prepared me, though. He prepared me. We have 11-year-old granddaughter, Zoe Faith. What a name, Zoe Faith. God is merciful. She's serving God now. It, put, it stopped her in her tracks. I could see God's hand of mercy on her. God used it for good. But our older son, he's the one who still isn't really serving God at all. He's 31 now. But one day... I began to really intercede for him. I began to pray, say, God, he's my firstborn. He's the one I cried out to you for. Are you going to do something? God, what are you going to do? And God showed me that he would save him. One day I was making the bed and I was praying and I was, had the telly on and I was listening to Kenneth Copeland and he was talking and it wasn't anything like it didn't grab me. 
but I was just listening, making the bed. I was going to go and get ready for the day. Went, turned the TV off, went into the bathroom. Something said, go turn that television on. I went and I turned the TV on. Just as I turned the TV on, he said, your son will come back to your table. Your son will come back to your table. Don't worry, you mother, that you are praying and crying out for God to answer your prayer, but your son will return to your table. That's what he said. And I knew it was a thus saith the Lord. I knew it was the word of the Lord for me, that God would bring him back to me. He would bring him back to him, that we would have sweet fellowship around the table once again. He's still not serving the Lord, but he's getting closer. And I'm believing God and I'm not giving up. We recently had a table. It was six chairs, and it was kind of uncomfortable, table and chairs. And I said to my husband, we need to get a new table. So we went shopping, and I said, I'm buying a big table. I want a table for everyone around my family to be able to sit around my table. So I did it out of faith. God, you're bringing them, and they're going to one day be around my table. They're going to be serving you. We have to declare the word of the Lord. We have to go after the word of God. We can't sit back and shrink and, and shrink back and just give up. Come on, let's not walk with our shoulders down. We serve a mighty God. We serve a big God, and he's able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Can you imagine these bones? They came to life. They stood up on their feet. And what did God say when they stood up on their feet? He said, son of man, these are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord says. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves. He says, I will put my spirit in you, which is Ruach, God's spirit. He will breathe his spirit into you, and you will live and I will settle you in your own land once again. God's people were discouraged. You know, it, you know when you're dead and you feel dead, they were alive. They were alive. I'm sure they had many devastating things happen during this time of captivity. They had given up. They had lost all hope. I'm sure they lost loved ones during that time. I'm sure they went through terrible, difficult times. But God said, I'm going to breathe life back into you. I'm going to breathe my spirit back into you. You're going to rise up like a mighty army once again. Some of you have been through some devastating things. You're going through things. You're walking through things. But God is saying, I'm here to bring life back to you. I want to open up your graves. I want to open up your graves. Some of you, you feel like, You've just fallen. One writer said about, you know, the valley of bones. It was just like the people of Israel felt like they were just sinking in one big, deep, dark hole. I have been there where I felt like things were too impossible to change. Things were too impossible to shift. But I'm here to tell you today that God is a God who can open up your grave and give you life again. No matter what loss you've suffered, no matter what has happened to you today, 
God is a God of life, and he is a God of love. We have to begin to rise up again. We have to, you know, we're going to be doing a time of prayer and fasting. It will begin on the 25th of February, and we're going to do seven days, and you can choose however you want to do seven days. If you want to do one meal a day, if you want to do three meals a day, whatever it is that God speaks to your heart. If you want to do a Daniel fast, whatever. But I encourage each and every one of you, take your prayer card, fast and pray and believe God. There's been times in my life, our third son, he actually became addicted to drugs. It was hard was really rough. There was a time in my life where he sat in the back seat of my car dying, literally dying. He called us, Dad, Mom, you got to come quick. I'm going to die. I am. I took too much. I'm going to die. And we pulled up, and sure enough, he was like a limp. We called an ambulance. He sat in the back of our car while we were waiting, and I began to prophesy, you won't die, you will live. He kept saying, Mom, I'm going to die. I said, no, son, you will live. He said, Mom, I'm going to die. No, you will live. Hear the word of the Lord, son, you are going to live. They put him in the ambulance. He said, Mom, come with me. I had to sit in the front. He was in the back. He kept yelling, Mom, I'm going to die. Son, you're going to live. I had to prophesy. I couldn't fall apart. What good would it do me? But God gave me that word. God gave me the word that he would live and he would not die and that God would use him. So I prophesied the word of the Lord and I stood fast. I could have shrank back. What if I gave up? I don't know what to happen. God's merciful. But sometimes, you know, we have things happen and sometimes because we, we need to rise up. Regardless of what's happened in your past, we can't go back. I've learned that. It's no good to look back and say, what if? Believe me, we've done that. I mean, being pastors, raising our kids in a Christian home, coming to church, where's your son? Well, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing, but God does. I just had to stand strong and just hold my head high and say, God will restore the wasted years. God will bring back to life, the things that look dead. I don't care what it looks like. Even David, he sinned. He fell short of God's glory. He killed Uriah the Hittite. He slept with Bathsheba. She got pregnant. And yet he cried out to God. God said he was going to take his son. But he cried out to God. He took three days, three nights, and he fasted and prayed. What happened? He died. He died. But David realized and recognized, well, God, he may have died, but one day I'll go and I will be with him. He accepted what God, what God gave him, you know, because he realized it was his own sin. God, had, God was holy. He's righteous. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen. I don't think many of us have been through what Job has been through. But he never cursed God. His wife laughed and mocked him, but he stood strong. Can I have the worship team come forward? He stood strong. You know, he, he didn't give up. He stood faithful with God. God is a good God. God wants to restore your life today. He wants to restore those dead things in your life. I know, life's hard, but God's good. And in the end, what does it matter if we gain the whole world, 
and lose everything else. What does it matter if we lose our soul, if we lose those things? You know, if we give up on the promises of God, we can't give up on the promises. We have to contend for those things that God has shown us. We need a thus saith the Lord. We need God to speak into our situations. But we got to build that altar. We got to stoke the fire. The fire goes out sometimes. I mean, when we walk in the natural, sometimes I'm just, you know, you get busy, you get carried away with what's going on, with the situations you're walking out. And then we just like, our faith, you can feel it's going down, going down, going down. But then we got to shake ourselves up. We got to get back in the Word of God. I don't care what people say, you need to read the Word of God. You need to go in your prayer closet. You need to come to church. You need fellowship with one another. God said we need to come together. We need to support one another. Like I said, if someone just brings you down and talks death, just smile and close your ears. Amen? You got to love them. You got to love them. You got to just say, God, I don't know what they're going through. They must be going through something hard. Just pray for them. Let's not talk about one another. What good will it do? Come on, we got better things to do instead of talking about one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray. Let's see God transform us, change us. Come on, if we want to reach this city, then we got to let God reach our hearts. We got to open up our hearts. God wants to bring revival. He wants to bring revival to you. He wants to bring revival to me. He wants to do it again. God wants to do it again. Are you willing? Are you willing? I know if you come to this church, you're not going to get a nice little message that's just going to be able, you're going to walk out and be able to be comfortable. I mean, I know my husband. He's not going to let you get comfy. He's going to challenge you. But that's what God does. He's a good father. He doesn't just say, you're good. You're all's good. No, he, he reprimands us when we need reprimanded. He cleans us up when we need cleaned up. He forgives us, takes away that black heart. God is good. 